0: Good morning, everybody, and praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let's invite the Lord and welcome him now. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your presence. You never leave us. You never forsake us. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for everyone that is here. We pray that... Every ear would be a listening and a hearing ear, every heart and mind, a receptive heart and mind, and we'll give you all of the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank God. We have much to be thankful for. You may be seated. We have much to be thankful for today, and uh, we're just glad that the Lord is at work even now as we speak. Last week we began talking about the path to victory, and there is a sequence of things that have to happen for us to uh, walk in the victory. And the first thing we said was we must get rid of old ways of thinking. Of course, we all understand when we come to the Lord, we we uh, basically we're taught to stop cursing and saying bad things and all of those those obvious things, and we're uh, taught a line of, of holiness, boundaries, and so on and so forth. But a lot of us have never heard that it is important that we change our ways of thinking. And when we find out that some of those ways of thinking are so sanctified and so spiritual to us, uh, it's, it's, it's painful when we're confronted with those statements and realize that they are actually going against what the Word of the Lord teaches and what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do. We enumerated some of those things. Um, the, our text was Romans 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We also read from that verse in the Message Bible. And the Lord said in that translation there, don't be adjusted to your culture. So what we are endeavoring to do is change systems. We're changing from logic and what is called common sense, which is valuable, but sometimes it errs on the side of us believing the word of God. So we're changing from logic, we're changing from common sense, so-called, to a Trust in what God said. We value the Word of God. Hopefully everyone here values the Word of God. It is a holy book, and we could say many good things about the Word of the Lord. Uh, But uh, learning to live by what he said, uh, even past the point of the mind saying, and Satan saying, nothing is happening, you're foolish to trust that. Uh, He's very subtle, as he was with Eve, he comes and he says, oh, here's what God meant by that. God, God knew that you would be like him if you ate of this tree. And so he's teaching them to go by, by logic. He's teaching them to go by a reasoning. And uh, it's very seductive. It's very subtle. I was trained in it. Our family was of the highest order of logic We didn't know that we were doubting the word because after all, we were one God apostolics, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, sat on the second row, moved to the first row, then to the platform, hey, untouchables. Praise God. But we did not know that what we were thinking and what we were saying was at counter purposes with the word of God. So what are some of those ways of thinking that we have adapted. One is, I just feel like something bad is going to happen. You know, we're Pentecostals. We're all attuned to feelings. I just feel like something. Yeah, well, the sun is shining bright and everything. Yeah, but I just feel something. I feel something evil. Well, I mean, if you're attuned to this world, (laughs) that's a given, isn't it? But uh, Satan wants you to, to declare that bad thing that you're feeling. He wants you... To speak it, he's got something to work with then. Another one is, I'm just going to trust the Lord. In other words, I'm going to throw out all of my efforts and leave the results up to him. None of us would have very productive gardens if we left the results up to him. Isn't that right? Over 300 times in Scripture, we are involved. It says in some way, if my people will do this, that, or the other, then I will do. Isn't that right? Deuteronomy 28, verse 14 verses of that scripture says all the kinds of blessings. I'll bless you in the basket, I'll bless you in the store, I'll bless you in your house, I'll bless you in your field, I'll bless you in your barn, I'll bless you when you sit down, I'll bless you when you stand up, if you hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord. Okay? So we also understand that the Lord has been very merciful to many of us even when we didn't hearken to him. He was still blessing us, didn't he? But think of how much greater measure of blessing could come to us if we would diligently hearken to His voice and work with Him. A third thing is we say God is in control. And in a a universal sense, God is in control. In a universal sense, He set the sun, moon, and the stars in their place and in their course. That's done. Isn't that right? But uh, I also remember that, uh, um, was it uh, Joshua, that commanded the sun to stand still? Wow, so he is messing with God's thing, right? But he asked for it and God honored it. And as a result of that, uh, Israel enjoyed the victory. So we we have to uh, understand that there is a a great measure that we are in control of. God has given us dominion over it. He told the the 12, he said, I send you forth, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead. Isn't that right? And so they came uh, to this case and they could not cast the devil out. Now, what was the problem there? They came to Jesus. The father said, I brought him to your disciples and they could not cast the devil out. Yet Jesus had given them dominion. So, what's going on? Do we play dead, turn up six, play possum when something doesn't happen that we've read in the scripture is ours? Those of you that have a bought and paid for a car or house or something, if someone distinguished looking came to your house, knocked on the door, and said, You got to move out, this house is mine, I'm taking you over now. If you knew your documentation, you would stand there resolutely and deny that man or that woman, whoever it may be, their right. You would deny them because you have the paperwork. Isn't that right? that says, no, this is my house. Here is the deed. My name is on the deed. Romans 11 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One translation says, faith is the title deed. When I get God's word and I trust God's word, God's word, I have the title deed. Now, you know, we can say, oh, wonderful, hallelujah, glory to God. That sounds fine. But when we get down to the nitty gritty of that, just what is a title deed to? It's a title deed to peace. It's a title deed to joy. It's a title deed to dominion over the works of the devil. It's a title deed to health and healing. Up faint radar signals of amens. <clears throat> Jesus said that he had come that we might have life. Satan is the one that came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. When we abdicate our rights to dominion, then Satan has free course. He comes in. Isn't that right? So well, I trusted the Lord and I still got sick. Well, The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. But the scripture said, submit to God, submit to his word, submit to his way of thinking, submit to his way of speaking, submit to his way of believing, and then resist the devil, and what? He will what? Flee from you. Praise God. So submission is far broader than what we have known and embraced. I mean, we thought if we adopted a dress code that the devil just fall over. But there's more to it than a dress code or stopping saying four-letter words. Amen. There is a way of changing our thinking. Now we pick up on um, another thing that we say God can or he's able. We can have faith that God is able but not exercise faith that he will. We used to have a trio in the in the our home church and they would sing, Don't you know God is able? And the place would just go cuckoo. Shouting and dancing and just falling out, playing dead and everything else. I mean, it was just powerful. Don't you know God is able? And they talk about the Hebrew children. They talk about the children of Israel. Don't you know God is able? And we thought, I, I didn't know at the time. I mean, that was, that was standard fair exercise talking about God is able. Don't you know God is able? Don't you know God is able? Woo, we'd rip, roar, run the aisles about that statement. But we never got to, don't you know God is willing? And so many of us have stopped at God is able. A lot of our preaching, God is able. And we go berserk over that. If we ever got to the place of God is willing, and he will. The leper came to Jesus and said, Master, if you will, you can make me clean. See, he knew that Jesus was able, but he was not sure of his willingness. How did he know he was able? He had to have heard, right? Right? Jesus touched him, he still wasn't healed. I just heard a rat licking ice. Jesus touched him and then said, I will be thou clean. It wasn't until the man's understanding embraced the truth. What was the truth? Jesus saying, I will. Let me clarify this for you, sir. I know that you express faith in my ability. I touch you. Nothing happens until I will be thou clean. And the man was cleansed of his leprosy. What alarms me is this. The Bible said that the church in the book of Acts, the church at Berea was noble because they searched the scriptures whether these things were so. And I'm talking about the path to victory. But the gazes that I am receiving from you are What are you talking about? I don't know about that. Worse than that is no effort to apply. Because most of us, as long as we have the pastor's phone number or a minister in the church, that's our out, or Facebook. Y'all pray with a hope that somebody's prayer is going to get through. What about your prayer? Because if we're not believing properly, it doesn't matter who prays for you. Because faith or believing is the only currency that heaven accepts. And if you are bankrupt of confidence in God and His Word, you can't get anything from Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So I'm not up here teaching a charismatic doctrine or a word of faith doctrine or some, where'd you get that stuff? Because our routine has defeated us. Because our routine is pastor's number is pasted just above the phone and if I ever get in trouble I know I can call on him I, I know this sister over in Louisiana that can get a hold of God what do you mean get a hold of God he hears everybody's prayer but maybe that sister knows how to believe what God said about prayer then when you ask you receive and when you seek you find Right? So somewhere along, we've got to move past our bread reading chart and adapt the word as true food for our spiritual man that will change our spiritual man if we will embrace it spirit, soul, and body, and decide I'm going to stand by his word. Regardless of what I see or my senses tell me, we have we have viewed the Bible as a um, you know a, a a a good victory story book and uh, and a good uh, bat for those who don't see it like us. I'm going to quote Bible. I'm going to quote the oneness of God to you. I'm going to quote you got to speak in tongues. I'm going to quote you got to repent. But beyond that, we have not accessed the word of God. We have not. It is our manual for operating in the unseen. Can't see healing here today, can you? But healing is here. And it is faith that when I express my faith, when I show my faith in God, that, that invisible thing manifests. And it does it in so many different ways. you bound to like one of them. Come on. You know, uh, healing can come through the anointing with oil. Healing can come when you just stand up and declare it's done. What? Yeah. That's resisting the devil. He'll flee. you got confidence. I've done that stood up and said, that's it, I'm over. It's finished. And symptoms left me. I don't have to wait till a prophet tells me, rise and be healed. I don't have to do that. You say, ooh, my, you're dealing with a minute. No, I'm I'm dealing with the word of God. With his stripes, you were healed. First Peter 2.24, with his stripes, you were healed. But what do we do? Well, you know, it's winter time, and oh, God, every winter I get the flu. Every winter. Daddy did it. Grandpa did it. Mamaw did it. That's what we're believing in. And we speak it, and praise the Lord, we receive it. And the reason is because you're practicing a law of God all along. You're using his law for negative things. I wish you'd say it just right a little louder. (laughs) And then when spring comes, oh Lord, I I better build up with Clarendon. Every spring I get the hay fever. Every spring. When I was growing up, they took me and they tested me for allergies, pen pricks my back. I was allergic to everything to horses, to dogs, cats, peanuts, allergic to them all. Gave myself two shots a week and uh, the doctor said it so that's what we believed in. Nobody ever looked at me because we didn't know any different. Faith cometh by. If nobody ever tells you you never see it, you never hear it, you can't believe it. You know, right now, if we want to, we just get on the organ, the piano, and sing Jesus on the main line. Forget about this stuff. But then when sickness strikes, when when springtime comes, or when you catch your case, your annual case of the flu, then you'll be calling Brother Gray. Y'all pray. Hmm? Or y'all pray, I don't know but what I'm not coming down with the flu. I ain't going to be there Sunday, and I figure this thing run its course. I won't be there Wednesday either. You know how these things are. They got to run the course. Faith in a demonic system. I said, that's faith in a demonic system. You say, how is that the flu? That's just a normal. No, no, no. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if he can knock you out of days of work, knock you out of pay by making you have a fever and lay in the bed and so on and so forth, then he is accomplishing his mission. But when you decide, bless God, Lord Jesus, you died for me. You, your stripes bought my healing. I'm not laying here another hour. In Jesus' name, get up. Go to worship in God. And I guarantee you, if you believe in your heart, speak it with your mouth, That thing will go. It may not go in a second, but it'll go. We got more faith in antibiotics. We call people as soon as we leave the door. Y'all call as soon as you get away. Yeah. He said, I got the epizootic. Well, what did he say? What did he treat you? He said, go by the pharmacy and pick up these horse pills. take this. Yes. He said, in three days you'll be good as new. And it don't matter how we're feeling, we'll tell everybody. Fever may still be 105, but we'll tell everybody to requested a phone call. He says, in three days I'll be fine. He says, in three days I'll be fine. What in the world if you took the medicine of God's word and you said, Jesus said, I'll be fine. Oh, no, no, thank you darling. I appreciate you being spiritual, but what did the doctor, say because that's where our faith is but if you want to start changing the system God is okay with you if you do it a little at a time okay okay he's okay with that he loves you he's trying to train his children and so the way we do that is to not be conformed to this world it's culture it's conversation okay it's way of Approaching things and begin to shift and start loading up the word of God. Loading up the word of God. Uh, there was a lady medical doctor that became she was getting a hold of uh, pills and she got hooked on morphine. And and she wanted to get break free. And the Lord showed her a vision and, and showed her uh, praise in one side of a scale. And her addiction in the other. And said, when the praise outweighs the addiction, you will be free. That was her way. So, what'd she start doing? Started worshiping, started praising the Lord. What are you praising for? Abraham believed God. Abraham glorified God. He was not weak in faith, he glorified God. You can't praise the Lord for a healing. You can't praise him for a deliverance and faith not explode inside of you and pretty soon you look over at your affliction or your problem or your irritation and say, well, what in the world have you been bothering me for and thump it into the next millennium? Hallelujah. Another one is he knows where I am. Praise the Lord. That's the pitiful parishioner. Glory to God, y'all. Appreciate y'all loving me. He knows where I am. Which means I don't believe he's going to do anything, but I do think he's got me on his GPS. He's got me low, I'm and I'm a little bit of red dot that's flashing. He, he's got me. Another one is, he never promised me a rainbow. Glory to God. It doesn't do away with persecution. But our persecution should come for our faith in God, not because we're lying down for the devil. It's okay to suffer for his name's sake, but not to suffer for those things that he has paid for my deliverance from. I have to correct this because the Lord rebuked me about it. I said uh, uh, two or three Sundays ago, or a previous time I was here, that if you are happy where you are, then that's okay with him. And he, the next time I went to the Lord in prayer, he said, you need to go back and correct that. I am not happy with anyone staying where they are because everything he has is to grow. Come on. And if it doesn't grow, he cuts it down and casts it into the fire. Oh, man, I just, I was so sure and anointed when I said that. And then I come back and the Spirit of Truth comes and says, hey, not so. What about the guy with a single talent? He didn't grow it. Say, so well, how how do I grow? How do I how do I get from A to B? Well, I would just tell you my testimony. I mean, I grew up with miracles and people playing dead and signs and wonders and speaking in tongues and interpretations and prophecies and. I mean the secrets of people's hearts being revealed in the services. You didn't want to be in our church and have sin in your life. No. Because a preacher would be preaching in the middle of it. Lo, you said thus and so at the breakfast table this morning. Repent. And you, you come in with your tail between your legs and and went straight to the prayer room to make sure everything was clear. Huh? Anybody raised in a church like that? Were we the oddity? That's another thing that concerns me about our movement. We're Pentecost in name only. Two or three pet doctrines, and that's all that we call Pentecost. Pentecost is to be a vital Explosive, expansive relationship with the Holy Ghost that is pulsating and a river of life that is flowing out of us. That's what it should be. But we have to. You, so you say, how do I go from A to B? Well, I was raised in all of that. Heard my mom lean up. You heard me say, it, covered up in her afghan, a big box of Kleenex, and she's praying in tongues by the hour. My dad, go to early morning prayer meeting with him and hear him singing out of the tongues. Oh, my God, what am I? I'm a, I'm a dwarf. I'm an idiot. I am, you know, how do you do that stuff? Come on, because you're raised in it doesn't mean that you process it. But you know what? The Bible said to me as a teenager, It said to me that the Holy Ghost is my teacher. But if you never go to class, you won't learn. So I just designated a time to go in and listen to the Holy Ghost. I prayed for the whole world in the first five minutes. Every missionary, governor, priest, king, everything, covered, five, ten minutes, done. Even worship. Mm -hmm. Fell out and had church, ten minutes. I heard about these people praying for hours, and I thought, you know. I knew of one evangelist. They heard him in his bedroom praying and praying, and I shouldn't tell that, but anyway. He had taped a prayer meeting, and he just pressed the play button. They heard him in there. <laughs> Pastor came in one day said, the revival's over. See you. Come on. We can't get it by turning a prayer wheel. But after I got done with my ten minutes, I'd set two hours to stay there, to wait, to listen. I don't know if any of the the name, um, Sister Bean will remember Brother R.G. Cook, the name. Brother R.G. Cook was living in a boarding house, a single young man. And he came down, the lady that was the head of the boarding house was um, apostolic, and he was too. But she came down and she said, son, do you wait on God before you come down in the morning? He said, wait on God, what do you mean? He said, I pray for coming down. She said, I, do you wait on God? She said, don't come down for breakfast in the morning until you've waited on God for an hour. Well, he knew that her tone meant do it. And so he said, I knelt on the hard floor and I leaned over a hard chair and I waited on God for an hour. He said, that was the beginning of a powerful change in my life. So that when he was... In a wheelchair, in advanced age, people come to see him. His wife would say, Daddy's in there praying. You'll have to wait till he gets done. Powerful man who influenced many in the apostolic movement. Pastored in Little Rock, Arkansas at one time. And has a progeny that has followed. You have to get there. If you want to go from A to B, because we don't know how to do some things in the Spirit. We don't even know what it means to grow up. Come on, I remember getting on my daddy's shoes when it was a size and a half too big for me, but I wore them because I wanted to be grown up. And I thought if I put that on, I'd be grown up. I thought if, when I was beginning to preach, if I got a big Bible cover and see-through socks and sharp pointed shoes, that I, I that was growing up, because evangelists in those days had humpbacks, gravelly voice, see-through socks pointed-toed shoes and a big Bible case. The big Bible case meant you were a man of the word and the gravity voice meant you'd been in a hot revival somewhere and the other was just the uniform. Stacy Adams made these nice, sharp-pointed shoes. Glory to God. Them nylon see-through socks with the ribs in them. Yes, sir. Over the calf, my goodness, you could shout and they'd stay up all day long. But without the Holy Ghost, none of our antics or none of our trying to be like somebody means I have gotten there. Come on. Oh, time is flying. Uh, then we want to get spiritual say, well, Paul said to be satisfied in whatever condition or state he was in. That did not, that did not apply to the Spirit. The apostle knew how, he said to abound, he knew how to be abased. He knew how to do both. The thing that I, I pointed out here once before is that there had to be somebody at home bringing in the dough. The apostles, all we read is the example of apostles, and Indeed, they, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, okay? But somebody had to be at home. And Paul even, I can't, I can't help but believe that he was successful in his business venture as a tent maker. Come on, he was Jewish after all, huh? And he did that when he had needs of funds, when it wasn't coming in from the church. But he also told the church in Corinth, God is able to minister seed to the sower. Chapters 8 and 9, I believe it is. He is able to minister seed to the sower because he believed that And in the first few verses of Genesis, as long as the earth remaineth, there will be seed time and harvest. And there's a lot of us that have been sowing seed to missionaries to good things for a while, but we have abandoned our seed like a turtle laying eggs in the sand and going back to the ocean. Our seed must be watched over. It must be worshipped over. Come on, until we receive the manifestation, the harvest of that thing. Come on. Tithing, you, you, you need to get to the place where you see, you hear the windows of heaven being opened upon you. Hallelujah. And worship and rejoice every time there's an advance made. The boss calls you in, so I'm going to give you 60 cents six, six an hour. You ought to go out behind a piece of machinery and shout and praise God. Come on, hallelujah. That's an indication the door is open and don't stop there until he says $5 an hour, until he says $20 an hour, until he says, I'm moving you to the head of the company. Don't stop. Keep after your harvest because harvest is work just like seed is work. So the apostle Paul saying that he was satisfied with whatever state he was in, it meant for the ministry's sake that he, he, would, he would take things to a certain extent how they were. Hadn't left the Bible a single time today. Still in it. But we're people of the Word. Oh, really? Really? Many of these mindsets and these thought patterns are so dear. We've repeated them so many times. We've heard them preached so many times that in our minds they take on a hallowed glow and then to get rid of them feels like I'm backsliding. And what's more is, is when I start trying to embrace the Word of God, I don't feel anything. But when I sing Mama's Teaching Angels How to Sing, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel something when the flag goes by. Goosebumps are not equal to the Holy Ghost. I came in hoping for lunch today. You got some of them evangelist socks on today. Look at there. Isn't that something? Looks like some I used to have. Lord, it's got lines in it and sees through. Praise the Lord. You want to preach this morning? Hallelujah. You got a big Bible there in a case. Thank you. I was wondering about lunch. Have you got a word for me? Will will there be any lunch? Oh, glory to God. See, but I mean, I've just felt a little joy at that, but I didn't feel goosebumps. But see, I moved from hope to faith in that one moment there. Amen. Y'all see your evangelist socks after church, okay? And when you weave, as I mentioned the last Sunday, uh, country songs are written what they call, not, not only country, but all, all music that wants, aspires to be popular is written with a hook in it. And the hook is in there so that you'll remember that song and want to hear it, and want to hear it, and want to hear it. Dottie Rambo wrote some songs, folks build my mansion next door to Jesus tell the angels I'm coming home no bible in that you might as well be singing somewhere between her Blue eyes and jeans. Have I gone too far back for that one, you know, or what line here with Linda on my mind? Come on. But it made us feel good. <laughs> we want Sister Bertha to come up one more time and sing Mama's Teaching Angels How to Sing. And she comes up, she goes a caterwauling and singing, and oh, here we go. Felt the Lord tonight. No, you felt something else. Come on. You'd be better off singing the B I B L E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God the B-I-B-L-E you'd be better singing that than mama's teaching angels how to sing because that is putting something inside of you you're speaking what you believe hallelujah Mm, thank you Jesus well I can see I've not made everybody happy but I have made myself happy and so next week we'll talk about What we're going to do next, first thing is get rid of these bad thoughts, these way of thinking, this way of thinking. And the Lord makes it easy for us to turn, to get on the path to victory, to where, praise God, we have the victory. No old song, I'm the least in the kingdom of the Lord. Why he loves me, I cannot tell. Why he'd reach down in the miry pit of sin. Well, that's a brand new believer singing, but a mature believer is to say, I'm seated in heavenly places with him. I am far above all principalities and power, the things of this life. That's what a mature, grown up Christian does. And Paul said, We move on, we press on. The Spirit permits, we move on. I've been in countless numbers of churches where they say, I wonder how many are here today remember you tonight you prayed through the baptized the Holy Ghost. Everybody lift your hand. And every time they go to church, that's what they do. Whatever happened to faith to faith, victory to victory? Huh? How many days you remember the day you was born? Because that's all we are. We're just circling the maypole. You're going get dizzy doing that. How about in prayer last week, God revealed to me this, that, or the other. Come on. He showed me these things. He opened my heart to these things. This last week, I was able to speak to some dignitary some noble Um, just a commercial here and I'll quit Uh, President H.W. Bush just passed away told some of our ministers please pray for me that I'll receive the Holy Spirit And, and I probably have told you this but his wife told some of our missionaries in Ghana when they came through the line the receiving line Barbara Bush, said, and hello, folks, how are you? Fine. What do you do here? We're missionaries. Oh, and what church? United Pentecostal Church. (gasps) She said, come with me. She stepped out of the receiving line, took them into a side room, and she said, I can't tell this everywhere, but she said, I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and have spoken with other tongues, so I am Pentecostal in my heart. We don't know how many of Caesar's household have believed. It's going on in the United Nations. Come on, I said, Bible studies are going on right now in the United Nations. Woo, we got much to be excited about, and we've got the victory now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God bless you. Be dismissed.